Welcome back to Conversations with Jeff Bucknam. I am your host, Jeff Bucknam. Also the person for whom the podcast was named. Somebody gave me a t-shirt a little while ago, actually, that said Conversations with Jeff Bucknam, and I've been wearing it around because it's one of two in the world. Me and Tommy <laughs> both have them. So anyway, I'm surrounded today by smarter people than me when it comes to uh, finance. Carl Barco, who was here last week, is back again because he's a smart financial guy. In fact, he is the managing director Stop. <laughs> of Utmost Capital Connection. You're reading that. A mergers and acquisitions company. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I do that next to the executive pastor. He's a executive pastor, <laughs> and he runs mergers and acquisitions. I'm that's, I'm that's a lead my... pastor, and I sit on the couch, which is useful. <laughs> that's the t- difference between the two of us. Is also you go out and chop down trees and skip and jump and all that. Okay, all of our gifts. And Michelle, last name Smallenberger. Smallenberger. Mm-hmm. Michelle Smallenberger is here, and she is a financial planner. Yep. With I, the company you mentioned, but I totally forgot the That's name. Okay. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Financial Design Studio. Right. And it is a company that she and her husband mm-hmm. own, run, and have some partners in, but it's growing yep. fast. Yep, exactly. Uh, Michelle, you attend which campus of our church? Rolling Meadows. Okay. So uh, how long have you been in, at Rolling Meadows? Around 15 years. Oh, my goodness. A while. Yeah, that's good long. And you, mm-hmm. you are currently serving uh, at Harvest on the finance committee. Yes. Yep. My old church called it a stewardship committee. So I keep messing that up, but mm-hmm. the finance committee and how long have you been on our finance committee? Almost three years, about oh, three wow. years of summer. Yeah. Good. Is it fun? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good group of people. So yeah. I think we actually are all really encouraged that the Lord brought the right people together. Yeah. Um, everyone just comes from a different perspective. So yeah, it, it is fun. You are from uh, where? Kansas. Middle okay. of Kansas on Does a farm. Do people in Kansas have a have an accent? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's kind of Southern. Is it? Y'all. See, I th- it's the A that I think you might have, the Kansas. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Kansas. Kansas. Okay. And especially that word, it allows itself to yeah. Kansas. So where in Kansas? Uh, in the middle. So Wichita <laughs> on a farm. Outside Isn't of Isn't the middle of Kansas the middle the of America? Mid- <laughs> like might, literally the middle of America? It might, it might be. Okay. Exactly the middle of Nowhere, yeah. No, a lot of farm ground, so. Kansas is the flattest place I've been. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you enjoyed growing up on the farm in Kansas? I did, yeah. Yeah, we did 4-H, we had animals, so, yeah. Do you ever win any it. awards in 4-H? Uh, yeah, some Grand and Reserve Champions, a lot of different projects, woodworking. With what, though? Grand and Reserve Champions with what? Cow? Yeah, so woodworking. Cow. I showed sheep. I you love showed sheep. sheep. Uh-huh. My sister showed cattle and horses. So we all kind of had our own animal that we like to show. Sheep were mine. Um, so yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you name your sheep? Uh-huh. Give us, uh, what's the name of your sheep? Oh, uh, sheep. I don't remember. I had two cows and... Did you kill them after you're done? Mm, so that was really hard. My first <laughs> calf was which cow, Buster. Which cow was the Lord's? Buster was the first one. We had Buster, Buster. and Daisy. Those were the two when we first started on okay. the farm. So they were bucket cows. We fed them with bottles. Uh, so that was fun. And Wait, I what's do a re- bucket cow? Sorry. Yeah. So you like so it's a calf that doesn't have a mom. So the mom might have died. Something happened, like maybe oh, during birth. Like orphan. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So you need to feed it, or you need to get another one of your cows to feed it. So um, the, if they'll take it on because it's not their calf. Hmm. So yeah. So we fed them with bottles. They're smaller, so 
cute, easier to show. Um, but the males you raise for meat and then the female. So Daisy, she was a Holstein cow. So, um, dairy, but we had her for years, but Buster, um, only got a year and but I Buster learned tasted real good. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> that waking up in the middle of the night and asking what happened to Buster and my mom, I remember she was saying, uh, he went to greener pastures. Right. And so now oh, that I'm older, she said, we have greener pastures. Hey, do you want some tacos? Yeah. Yeah. Steaks tonight. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. So, uh, you, you stopped being on the farm at some point and gained mm-hmm. an interest in financial planning. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when was that? When you were younger, did you like run little business thing or did you just find it interesting? The market's interesting. Yeah, no, I started kind of on the accounting side. Mm-hmm. So in high school, there was like accounting one and two that I took and I really enjoyed that. So going into college, I didn't have really any other strong interests besides teaching. So I started in accounting and then after a couple of years, I, I was working at the same time. So for a psychiatrist doing his bookkeeping, I worked at a coliseum as an usher. And so I just realized I needed more people interaction. So a couple of years in, I switched to financial planning because that's a great mix of business or numbers and people. And so I've been here since. And now um, it's nice because I get to teach people with our videos and stuff. So I really enjoy doing all of those pieces now. So when you say you, you teach people by video, uh, do you have little courses that you put together and then you uh, sell them or have your clients watch them? Yeah. So we have like blog blog posts where they may be a few minutes long. Yeah. And so we're just explaining basic concepts that you might hear about, but just so that people can understand. You don't have to buy them. They're just on our blog um, every week. So all right, we're going to yeah. give you airtime for the some advertising. Right. What is it? What's your blog? Uh, so financialdesignstudio.com, and okay. it's just on our blog. We don't have like a fun name for it. Okay. So, yeah. So it's a variety of- You could call of- it a blog with Michelle Smallenberger. I'm going to the website right now. Very well, but we have- a click. A, One of our partners writes like every other week, and he writes about what's going on in the market. That's yeah, great. And he's a phenomenal writer. So if you want to understand more, uh, yeah. that's our goal is to help people understand what's going on. Yeah. So- Difficult market right now. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, as it, how's that been uh, business-wise and how has it been as... Uh, I was just telling you before we started talking that uh, the financial planners that I know have often told have, have said to me in the past that they they end up becoming like counselors to mm-hmm. people because you know, if you're going to let you have my yeah. money, I'm also going to let you in on most of the things that are going on in my life, like my marriage mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So how, how is all that going? Yeah. So these are the times I feel like when financial advisors maybe grow the most because a lot of do-it-yourselfers realize they can't do it themselves. And so they're looking for an advisor kind of in a panic uh, sometimes, but a lot of our clients who are already clients, they may have invested for a long time. So they're not necessarily calling you know, they're not, they might be worried, but they know that the markets do this. And so we're again, writing and explaining things to them so that they have knowledge. And so I think that just helps them, you know, it doesn't take away that the markets are down and we aren't happy that they are, but when we're explaining, this is why we invest the way we do so that we're not down like the market is things like that. I think it helps to give people peace, but sometimes when you work with an advisor, you're just, you don't do the things that you might do. You don't act on it. And having that other voice that, you know, has studied history or this is what we do year after year. And so right. we get used to saying, nope, not yet. Yeah. Or it's too early. It's and nice so. to have a, that calm presence around you that's saying, mm-hmm. hey, look, the world's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. It's not falling apart just yet. Yep, exactly. Yeah. You said that you went through the 2008 
uh, mm-hmm. crisis as well. Is this yeah. similar to that? Yeah, it's similar, except there's just different factors leading to it or that are happening. So stock and bond markets are down. Usually in a down market, something's working. And so um, now when nothing is, maybe gold, uh, those are the things where it's just different. And so th- those are the things that makes this time unique. Do you know what's working in the down market? Conversations with Jeff Bucknam. It is. If there's there an investment go. that needs to be made... That's and right. gold. That's what it is. We take gold <laughs> and, and gold. Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> Michelle, uh, so I'm always interested to hear the reflections that people in your line of work have on uh, a pastor preaching about money. Yeah. So, you know, we, we I'm two weeks in to a six-week series on money. I've preached them before, but I, I'm just, I'm really interested to hear mm-hmm. your reflections on both the idea of a of a series like this in a church, also the kinds of things that you as a financial planner as a, and as a Christian woman have also seen uh, Christians do that they shouldn't do or th- things they would do, advice yeah. or anything that you, like what goes on in your mind? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, advisors probably get really excited when there's a series about money because we're like, yay, we're going to talk about what we do. Uh, so excited to hear what are new things, just things that maybe we haven't thought about in a while. So for me, it's a good refresher. Um, I would, I would say I'm a pretty faith filled person. Like I know that the Lord has done things in my life. And so I can remember that, especially financially. And so that probably leads into knowing that like when you're saying things, I'm like, yes, I have seen this in my life. I've seen people go through this. And so, um, it just makes me want people to understand that what you're saying is really true. When we trust God with everything, he will never fail us. And so things like that, um, it's exciting for me because I hope that people's, uh, trust in God is strengthened and their faith and belief in him, that they really do believe him for this. Um, And then, yeah, just things, it just reminds me of a lot, conversations with clients, uh, you know, reflecting on people in general, I would say in financial planning, the people that I see uh, that maybe uh, do the best in overall financially, they're people that when the market is up 30%, they may say, you know what, I I think I'm going to go ahead and take, take, not take my money out, but I'm going to take my gains, you know, while I can, Mm. they don't try to eke out 35% or 31%. They're the person they're content with the gain that they have been given on the same, on the downside. They're not, you know, they're not scared. They're not afraid. And so it's just this person you can tell in their soul, they're content. Once there was uh, a doctor that I worked with, and this made a really big impression on me. He retired early. He's like 55. Uh, for him was early. And he just said, I've had enough of the rat race. But that really made an impression on me because he was ready to for him to live life. He was tired of working too long of hours. And so for someone to say, I have enough, I don't need more, that type of person will go years and years, they will do so well because they know when to say, I have enough yeah. and I, I don't need more, but the Lord will still bless them. I mean, the store, Lord still gives us, he still gives us what we need. And so um, it's exciting to watch those I, people. I tend to think that the Lord likes to give uh, resources to people who who pass them on. Mm-hmm. Not always, yep. right? I mean, I think that mm-hmm. there are lots of people in the world that don't pass on the resources that have lots and lots and lots mm-hmm. of stuff. Yep. But I do think that uh, when it comes to the church, right? I mean, can he, I even have some biblical precedent for it, right? Mm-hmm. The guy with five talents is given exactly. the other guy. Give, give the one talent to the f- 10 talent guy, the, the one I gave 
yeah, yeah, the yeah. extra five talents. Yeah. So there seems to be an idea that the Lord wants to put uh, stuff in the hands of people who are faithfully going to distribute it the way they ought to, right? Mm-hmm. Like a river instead of a stinky pond, like I, the image I've been trying to mm-hmm. play with. Um, exactly. But to have that contentment, Michelle, mm-hmm. that's uh, like that's hard. Yeah. Because you're dealing with people, honestly. Uh, it's interesting because you're dealing with people who on the one hand are content, but on the other hand are like, well, I don't want just the money to sit here, yep. right? Yeah. I, I, we we kind of want to put it to work in a place mm-hmm. that where it can actually do mm-hmm. something. So you yeah. can do both those things? Yeah, exactly. Have ambition yeah, and exactly. be a carer? What kinds of things would you tell somebody who wants to both do both of those? Yeah, so one, one of the ways is like, for example, when someone retires, for example, it doesn't mean that you have to stop working. You don't have to stop having ambition. You can say, okay, I, I have enough for retirement, but I might have this other thing that I want to go and do that's actually going to bless so many other people. Like mm-hmm. all of the resources from that are going to someone else. and Or I'm going to be giving. Um, there's so many different ways. You might leave a job to start, you know, like when we left our firm, we just, we left both paychecks and we said, this is what we believe that the Lord wants us to do. And he provided everything. And I kind of call it like times, you go through times of much and times of trust. So it's not times of not enough. It's just times where I'm trusting God. I should be trusting him all the time, but there are some times where you are dependent on him. Exactly. You're dependent on him. So actually remember that because you and I were on the finance committee at the same time when Mm -hmm. you left and you guys started your firm. Yeah. We had times of prayer around the the table mm-hmm. at that point in time, the finance committee table mm-hmm. around you guys starting. And yeah. here we are three, yep. three years later. Exactly. Well, it's been six, six. <laughs> I know, this is the sixth year. Wow. It worked out exactly like she planned. Right. Well, praise the Lord. Right. One thing after another, she reverse engineered it and it's perfect. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's all the Lord that, but that's <laughs> the thing. So I was thinking about this is there's really kind of this cycle in our life. So we're dependent on the Lord. We ask him, we say, Lord, I need help with this thing or I need guidance. Like, please show me what to do. And then the Lord answers and he says, you know, whatever I need to do to this. He shows you in some way as we're listening to him. And then it's our responsibility to obey, but obey all the way completely. And a lot of times, so I'll use this in a couple different examples, people who are in debt, for example, maybe they get all the check to pay off that debt that they have. And then they say, but I'm just going to put this here in this account in case I need it. I'm not going to pay the debt off. Well, God gave you exactly what you needed, not a penny more. But it was that not all the way. And same with retirement. Okay, it's time to retire, but the economy is bad right now. It's this like all the way stepping completely through like obe- obedience to God and saying, I'm going to pay for this lunch and I'm going to tip on it too. It's like that, like right. he asks me to do it all the way. And then um, it's giving God the glory. So this is where whatever he's done, give him the glory. And then you start over like, okay, Lord, now I need your help with this. And so our lives, our whole lives are depending on him. And it's this cycle of he's at work, I'm obeying. And when I do that, he gets all the glory and we start over. So. Michelle, are you you just a really positive person yes. generally? <laughs> yes. Or... I mean, you just don't sound like somebody who's all that worried about 
the money. Is yeah. that is that unique to you? I'm optimistic and positive. So generally, yes, I am that personality. I just think there's been too many times in my life where the Lord has shown me. So in college, I remember going uh, on an interview. And right before that interview, I had student loans and I was working through college. And the check I had gotten for my loan, um, somehow it was voided. And so that money wasn't deposited. And it was like a week later, I was going to go on this interview. And I had told God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I wasn't going to stay in Kansas unless he wanted me to. And um, so this happened, and I was really studying the book of Daniel then. I just love the story of Daniel, how he's in the lion's den, and God protected him. Like, he was put in there, you know, he was thinking probably so many different things, but God did what he does. And so there's just so many times like that where, so I went on the interview, but right before that, the check was deposited and it was fine. Like, there's too many times where the Lord has been faithful and Mm -hmm. shown up just like that. So I not always in the time that we want, but in the end, in the end, in the in in a time that sometimes just proves that it was him. All I mean, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if everything just goes tickety boo, yeah, then you tend to think, well, this is just the natural outcome of good planning and blah blah blah. But if there is a hiccup in it, Mm -hmm. and then it comes through, you're kind of reminded that oh, I'm not owed all this stuff, and the Lord is actually actively involved in caring for me. Yeah. At every step along the way. And I think sometimes there's things that the Lord, well, I know in my life, there's things he needs to teach me to be able to deal with what he wants to give me. Mm-hmm. If he wants to bless our business, if he wants to bless us personally, anyone, I might not be able to handle that. If you're given a million dollars and you don't know what to do with it, well, then that may not really be a good thing. So, right. Absolutely. So. Well, look, uh, I preached a sermon this weekend, Carl. Did you know that? I did. I listened to it. Uh, uh, did you go to church this weekend, Carl? <laughs> Actually, I did. Twice. <laughs> it's a big deal for Carl. I saw to him. He was there. I, you did? I talked to you Saturday night? <laughs> I know, I know. And then um, I went and enjoyed ouch. it on Mother's Day at Elgin on Sunday. <laughs> um, nothing, nothing like a good uh, sermon about money on Mother's Day. Mm. Uh, I, I say that in jest, as yep. many things I say are in jest. But this passage, uh, Luke 18, 18 to 30, about the rich ruler. And his unwillingness to submit to the, uh, his full allegiance to Jesus and instead went away sad because he wanted to keep all his stuff. Uh, and then ultimately the statements about how it is that God, how it is difficult for a rich person to be, to be a Christian, which always strikes people like us who are comparatively rich in all yeah. the world to yeah. be like, wait a minute, no, no way. Those rich people are the ones you put on the elder board. That's what you do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or at least many, many believe that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you got the Peter's comments at the end, which is like, man, we've left everything. And Jesus is like, yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to give me. Like, you're going to receive many more times in this life and in the life to come, eternal life, which is, I tried to make the point that that is, uh, the, the, the language there is really pointing to the church as, as the, as the, the body or the place where you're going to receive many times over is through the fellow, your new family, right? So you leave behind a family in a house and whatever, and you join a new family in a house. It just happens to be, have way more houses and, mm-hmm. you know, way more brothers and sisters and these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So anyway, reflections you have, I have little things that I could add along the way that I had to leave out of my sermon, but you guys have any questions or comments along the way there? Well, it's very countercultural. So yep. the world doesn't the say that. So especially yeah. leaving behind even your secular or your bloodline family in exchange for the 
the church family that comes around yeah. your example is it relates to moving from New Zealand back to the US and then here to Illinois yeah I mean I resonated with that a lot I think it's really useful to mm-hmm. for people to understand and then I, th- I looked around the church building while we were sitting in either service and I'm like there's my brother there's my sister yeah. like look at all the mm-hmm. look at all the wealth that's in this room yeah relationally mm-hmm. materially too but relationally is we're like mostly mm-hmm. care about yeah. You know, on a whole nother subject someday, and I will bring it up because it's all over the scriptures, you know, you get eventually mm-hmm. you end up preaching on it. But the, the primacy that the, that the family of God takes over biological family is a really interesting thing in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. So, you mm-hmm. know, like it, it's there. Jesus is, you know, his mother and brothers show up mm-hmm. outside and they say, come tell Jesus to stop talking to you guys because we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're here to kind of pull him away because he's yeah. being getting a little crazy. <laughs> and Jesus' response is, uh, who are my mother and brothers? You know, those, mm-hmm. those who follow me or if to those who are uh, members of the kingdom, they're my brothers, mother, brothers, and sisters. And mm-hmm. So in other words, he's saying, uh, yeah, my, my, my biological lineage is not as important as, as the people who form the community of faith. Uh, to me, which is remarkable, which is remarkable. And even that language, brother, sister, it's used all throughout the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, all throughout the new Testament with purpose. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of the things I was dying to ask you in relation to this mm-hmm. is, uh, I think it was your third point in this message around the difficulty mm-hmm. of Christians. Well, of people, rich people becoming Christians, I guess mm-hmm. getting to have it is difficult, but we learn later in the passage that it's not impossible. And the interesting component of this whole thing is the, uh, the miraculous salvation of rich people mm-hmm. <laughs> by yeah. God's design and by God's grace. You deal with a lot of wealthy people. It's what yeah. makes your business go around. Because, mm-hmm. right, that's how you're mm-hmm. paid. So yeah. um, not to put you on the spot, mm-hmm. but have you been able to see yeah. in the way that you work with people over these last six years, a wealthy person understand the kingdom of God and, and the use of their funds in mm-hmm. such a way? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, thankfully, we have clients who are smaller, who are larger. So it's nice that we have a variety. I mean, that's we want our business to be a ministry. So I'm thankful that we can choose who we work with. And I would say it's really encouraging when we have a lot of clients who really want to give. So, you know, so many people who understand what they have been given, they're giving large gifts every year to a variety Mm -hmm. of organizations. And it's so encouraging to see. And I mean, even as a business, like we don't like when they do do that. We don't charge on those assets. Like we want to encourage that. Um, like our tagline is designed for life. And so money should be used to be living life or giving so that others can give life or have life. And, um, that can mean so many different things. And so like spiritually though, that's like being alive and using what we have to help others. And so, um, so yeah, I've seen it done well. A lot of people just giving freely. There are there are people that, you know, they give because it's a tax benefit. So mm-hmm. there are definitely those people. It's interesting. You can tell a difference. Uh, those people who they know what they've been given, they have enough and they give. So that is really exciting to see, I guess. But yeah, I definitely see that firsthand. So have you seen uh, the opposite too? Yeah. yeah yep. I mean, people who, who uh, mm-hmm. you know, are resting their... Yeah. Resting all the, their hope in, in money, and it's not really paying off the way they thought. 
Yeah, or people who just aren't even believers. So they don't even know that giving is really a thing that they should do. So even secularly, that wasn't something that they did. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are definitely people on both spectrums where, yeah, you know, we'll look for tax planning. We're kind of like, oh, they're not really givers. Um, But we'll, you know, present the idea. And um, sometimes it will actually encourage people to become givers. Yeah, the first time because they see the tax advantages to it. Yeah, or, you know, we're just kind of like, oh, think about what you can do to help organizations you like. Right. The... The text I had this weekend that I did not, um, I did not include. It was in my notes, and I actually had it for a little while. It was in Proverbs thirty. Um, there was a guy who wrote a book called uh, "Christians in an Age of Wealth." It also, it it also is called "Neither Poverty Nor Riches." There's another book he wrote, an academic title, "Neither Poverty Nor Riches," and the other one's called "Christians in an Age of Wealth." His name's Craig Blumberg, and this, the title of his first academic book, comes from this passage and largely he it's a way for him to say i think this is what the bible kind of teaches about about money and so uh here here it is proverbs 30 verse 6 do not add to his words lest oh sorry verse 7 two things i ask of you deny them not to me before i die Uh, remove far from me falsehood and lying that's the first thing he asks and second give me neither poverty nor riches feed me with the food that is needful for me, which is actually, I mean, the, the language there is actually, um, give to me what is only necessary for my daily bread. Provision. Uh, yeah. Lest I be full. And this, this is why he wants, he wants enough, uh, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So there's a danger in either extreme. Uh, there's a danger, obviously, in being poor and stealing. But you notice, even in his in the language of this passage, uh, he's concerned that the pouring and stealing will say something about God and mm-hmm. his relationship mm-hmm. to God. That he's yeah. going to profane the name of God. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to have to profane the name of God. And I think that poverty is going to end up leading me to that kind of place where I'm going to be tempted to do stuff that is not going to honor Him. But similarly, he's like, I also don't want to be rich. Give me neither poverty nor riches, uh, because I might deny you and say, who is the Lord? Which is really uh, played out in the rich ruler mm-hmm. passage. I mean, it's an example, basically, of that principle that you, got, you, you, will mm-hmm. deny, you might deny God. Yep. Because why? Why? Enough. Don't need you. <laughs> yeah. Be, well, because, sorry, my mic moved. Um, because the money becomes God mm-hmm. and, you, and, and self takes over. And I, I to be honest, I, th- I feel this. When I say I feel it, if mm-hmm. I have more money, I feel happier. Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel more at peace. Yeah. I feel like, okay, so if something goes wrong today, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like if my brakes go out in my car, or, you know, I have to, I have to you know, yeah. I, dr- I drop some my phone or mm-hmm. whatever. If I've mm-hmm. got money, I'm like, meh, mm-hmm. it's no big deal. Yeah. So I feel like I'm prepared to face life when I have the money. Um, and again, that there's nothing wrong with it. But if that goes too far, yep. it ends up being, oh, I just money's a great thing to have yep. to face life. And if I have enough of it, I don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. Where I think, that I, well, I know that that's actually what God wants to be for us. He wants to be the one that we say, if I drop my phone, well, Lord, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, 
the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Takes away. <laughs> yeah. be the name of the yeah. Lord. And Lord, I need a, another phone. I'm going to try to figure, you know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of thing and yeah. figure it out. But it's a, that kind of peace should be ours. The peace that we think money gives us should be ours, but it should be ours in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That comes ultimately through trust, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you sort of said that. So before I walked in here, I got a phone call. My daughter got in an accident. Mm-hmm. She got rear-ended mm-hmm. in, in a little car. She's okay. The car is going to get towed. But you're like, yeah, okay. Um, I can either go nuts, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Anger for her or mm-hmm. frustration or something like that. Or, well, it's mm-hmm. this is part of life. Right. Um, and we just, we move on from there. And the Lord not is Not wrecking gonna... our, not, sorry, keep going, but not to wreck yeah. our, our attitude mm-hmm. towards the things that we're doing. Because I, if I got really angry about that, it would be about a thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? A material yep. possession that ultimately at the bottom of that, the root of that is it's money driven. Yep. Right. So you have to you have to let that go. And I think that's the thing. It's when when you see how you respond. So you're like, oh, I have enough money. I can go buy that. It's like whatever those attitudes are, that's where you can catch it really fast in your response to how you view what just happened. And those are the things where I feel like, do I trust God with this? Do I really think that he's all that I need? Um, you know, like there's songs we sing that's like, all I want oh, I is know. Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I'm like. So, but do you? Right. And so this is where I'm like, I, like when you were saying, oh, I feel better when I have more money. I feel content when I have enough that if something happened, like, you know, like, let's just say you have 20,000. If something happened, it would get fixed. If something in your house breaks. Okay. Like that's enough. Like, and so there's, there's actually a book that someone, it was a few college graduates wrote together. I think it's called God and money, but it's talking about how they literally like tied out to the dollar every year. This is all I need. And we give the rest. Mm-hmm. And they wrote this cause they were really challenging people to give everything that they don't need. And, um, I just think, yeah, how we respond to that. It's, it's little ways it seeps into our lives. Yeah. Absolutely. I did want to point out a couple things, though, about the passage that I didn't get to say just because <laughs> I, I'm greedy that way and want well, to say it. It's, it. it's kind of the point of having these, yeah. these conversations is like when you, so when you do that, we, well, look, there's more passages than we can have time to teach on. Well, what's really interesting to me, it, so I'm going back to the Luke 18 passage. It's something that I didn't, I didn't share. Uh, so I, I believe that the reason that Jesus brings up the the issues that he does here, especially brings up the giving away everything. I really do believe it. He's trying to play on the Ten Commandments, the first of the Ten Commandments. I do. It is also interesting, though, how uh, if you look at the commandments uh, that he cites, they're the they're the back end of the Ten Commandments, and but he doesn't cite them in the way. Like if you go back to Genesis or Exodus, and you see the way they're cited, the order he doesn't do the order. So Luke's messing around with this somehow. So you have to ask yourself the question, why is he rearranging this? Now, it might be because his tradition has him this way or another source, but there are several commentators who have made the point that, so here's the order. Don't commit adultery first. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness and then honor your father and mother. And the middle of those is do do not steal. And so there are some commentators who've said that Jesus is saying in the middle of that, um, actually, your wealth and your unwillingness to share it is stealing from the ones who God gave you the money to share with. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That yeah. you you owe uh, you you owe something to them mm-hmm. or to God, mm-hmm. right? So this 
picks up some of the language from Malachi three, right? That, you know, you've robbed me mm-hmm. that you're stealing from God and you're stealing from those to whom God gave you the money to, sh- to share. Do you know what I mean? Yep. yep. And I, I've, I've thought about that a bit, mostly because it, it seems to indicate that we have a responsibility. Those of us who have money have a responsibility uh, toward those who do not in some way. Yes. And I'm saying that I'm not gonna, we don't institute communism. It's a voluntary mm-hmm. thing. But yeah. in the Christian church, there is love. a kind of re- reality that mm-hmm. says, well, if you have a lot of money, you actually might be stealing it from both God and the people who you're supposed to be sharing it with mm-hmm. or your possessions with. Uh, if you, if you hoard too much. Mm-hmm. You know what's yeah. interesting is if you look around, so Carl, you mentioned looking around the congregation you know, and seeing like your brothers and sisters in Christ. I think actually that is what drives the peace and contentment is when you serve, when you spend time giving to others, it could be your time. So it doesn't even have to be money. When you spend time giving to others and uh, like really sharing your heart, seeing their heart, sharing what God has put on your heart. It's that stuff becomes way more important than the, the amount that I have in my bank account. And I think it's really when I'm doing what God wants me to do, even in other areas of my life, it's like the money thing just becomes a thing that it's a tool that, Oh, someone, someone needs something. Oh, I'm going to give them that yeah. because I'm going to have enough. And so it's, I think it's when you start to, you almost like when you start to do it, to demonstrate and actually say, okay, I'm going to serve. I'm going to step a little further. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to give someone some money. I'm going to do something. It's almost like see what God can do with that. And I think that's how he starts to show us and our heart starts to change to say, I really want to help these people. I want to do what God wants me to do with this money. It's that, that type of, now it's my heart. It's not a thing that I have. It's what God gave me. Praise God for the obedience when people do do that. That's interesting that you to bring these two things together, mm-hmm. the lack of sharing is somewhat defrauding uh, yeah. of the blessing that the Lord's given you to share in order to empower you to give like by faith. Yeah. That's just like a little bit of walk on the water type moment for those yeah. that have been given. It, even in the parallel, there's a parallel passage in Mark, Mark 10, 17 through 30. Mark doesn't include in, in there, do not defraud right in the middle. Do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud on your father and mother. Yep. He adds that. And I wonder if, there's some, well, you see how Mark, yeah. Mark is tweaking this. It might, there are probably different, um, you know, these stories were oral mm-hmm. tradition, mm-hmm. right? And so in the end, uh, you can switch around stuff like this yeah. and not, you know, like they didn't have the video <laughs> you know, so that you can see exactly what Jesus said. So the mm-hmm. authors will switch around some of the stuff based upon the, the point that they're trying to make. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why it's interesting there. One of the things I think Mark adds it, uh, Jesus uh, said to him and loved him, or is it Matthew? One of them, one, one, either Matthew or Mark have this, have this story in them. And yeah, uh, Mark did. it says that Jesus, when he sees the guy, uh, after he gives the 10 commandments thing and the guy said, no, I kept all that. It says Jesus looked at him and, and he loved him. Mm-hmm. And then he told him to give away everything he had, which is, really part of the point I was trying to make at the very beginning of my sermon, which is that God actually wants your good, yep. that it's the love of God that has driven Jesus or the love, Jesus love for them. Sorry. That has, that has driven him to say, I need, I need you to give me all your money mm-hmm. because I have something better for you and it's me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And he walks away sad, interestingly enough, mm-hmm. right? When he could have walked away happier than he could have ever imagined. And that's, I mean, this ties into, of course, the, the parable of the, you know, treasure in the field, mm-hmm. that you find this treasure in a field and then you go and you sell everything you have to buy the, to buy the field, right? But everybody's going to look at you and say, why are you buying the dumb field? That's ridiculous. You bought this mm-hmm. stupid field. You gave up all your money for that field. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know what's in the field. Mm-hmm. And right. So we give up all of our money. People think we're crazy. They say, why are you giving so much? Your accountant says, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. But you're saying, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually investing in the kingdom, which is worth more than you could even imagine. This is an investment choice mm-hmm. I'm making. It's amazing how little people can live on. There are people who only live on their social security amount yeah. and they're fine. They're still giving with that. I mean, mm. those are encouraging people to watch too. So, I mean, I've seen all, all ends of the spectrum. So a funny question I had asked my daughter, I think after her birthday this last year, she got like just gifts cause she's a January birthday. So December, Christmas then January. So I asked her, I was like, Oh, aren't you excited for all these gifts? I said, are you, were you glad to get all these gifts? Like these things? And she's like, yeah, it's actually kind of boring. And I was like, boring, you have all these toys to play with. But it really makes me think about the more stuff we have, the more we have to manage it. And it takes our time and our energy and our work. And so uh, a fun thing that I do with kids, like in a high five elective teaching about money, um, I have them like buy things and they have to like strap on this thing, everything that they buy. And as you buy more stuff, you literally strap it on and have to carry it. And that becomes heavy. And that's kind of what it's like in our own lives. We we have to carry that now or deal with it. Well, now I can't, if I have to sit here and manage my books, then I can't go go serve in this other way. There's, you just see how, you know, um, easily. So that's an awesome analogy, by the way, (laughs) that's really practical. Along those lines at the end of this passage, uh, I didn't get to get into too much detail. I would love to, people should let me preach for an hour and a half. (laughs) Go for it. Um, (laughs) this at the end of the passage, you know, he's talking about, uh, I say to you, there's neither one, no one who's left why housewife mothers. If that's a reference to the church, which it is, then the understanding is Jesus is basically saying, no, no, no. See, there are going to be people who are genuine Christians in the church who understand that they are rivers and not ponds Mm -hmm. and that they are going to be given something that they are now going to share with you, their their house in this case. They're going to share their house with you or their possessions or their money or they're going to become a surrogate mom or grandma. They're going to give of themselves with whatever it is they have to to be for you the thing that you lost. But that assumes, of course, that there are people who honestly didn't give away everything they have, right? So yeah. sell your possessions, give to the poor. Yeah. This was a word for this guy. The assumption, the assumption in scripture is that, look, you're not, we're going to talk about Zacchaeus this weekend. He, he only gives half away. Mm-hmm. But the idea with the stuff you've got left, <laughs> take what you need and get, and if what you need is more, listen, the rest of it you've been given to try to bless others to be these these people who are the brothers and sisters and those you know and provide the houses and things like that. Yeah. And so last week I remember saying that you know there's these ladies who took care of Jesus. We called them the sugar mamas, but they, sugar they, mama. they did. They took care of they took care of Jesus mm-hmm. and they had property that they didn't they didn't sell all the property, but they used the property for that. So I, my point here is that it's. It's not always giving away everything Mm -hmm. that you have. It's using the things that you have to give away. Does that make sense? Yeah. So actually a really good example of that. So I am a very, I'm just like a generous person. So optimistic, positive, like here, have it all. God's going to give me more if I need it. 
Um, but my husband is different. Did you want to donate to the uh, <laughs> conversations? Which, just kidding. I'm kidding. Separate By the way, everybody out there, there are no donations no, to the no, com- Do not do that. <laughs> I'm totally joking. So it's funny because like you have different people in a couple who like usually you have one spouse who kind of manages the big stuff like investments, insurance, and then someone else is doing the day-to-day grocery shopping or buying of the smaller things. But you also usually have two people who think very differently about money. And so I'm just free, you know, here, yeah, take it. We have enough. But that might make my husband really nervous. And I remember early on, like, I needed to be thoughtful of that because that was he was trying to be wise for our family. And I'm just trying to give what God wants us to give. And so it's really important, like you're saying, it's not one or the other. But even when you're married, doing it together and trying to be thoughtful and saying, okay, Lord, we want to honor you. We want to do it together. I want to honor you. And he sees the desire of our heart. He hears that. And so those are the things as we're as we're managing our money for him, for his use, he can he guides and directs us. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, we don't have to have it all figured out, but he'll no. show us along the way. Uh, just have open hands. We have mm-hmm. the same thing in our house, exactly. by the way, except our roles are reversed. Mm-hmm. And there's a great joy I have in giving. Yeah. And my wife, because she is in charge of like making sure bills are paid. So when you're closer to it, you're like, we need, we got to make sure. And that kind of thing. It's a wonderful time to discuss. Must be lovely to be the people who are the ones who don't take care of the fine. How does it work in your house? Uh, I am the one who looks at the finances and tries to take care of all of the payments and stuff. And my wife, uh, if she ever has to do it, starts to cry (laughs) uh, because it just stresses her Mm -hmm. out. On a huge level. And I'm like, yeah, it's all right. And a lot of people do get stressed about money. It's very common. That's some of the biggest things. We're like, we're going to explain that to you. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this has been fantastic. Carl, you have something else to add. You jumped right in there. I was like, well, I didn't know you're like, we're... I was moving into... uh, I was just looking at Acts 4 because you were talking about the common commonality in the church of... of, uh, And I just... It popped into my head the example that is being written here in, in Acts 4 about, you know, the number of them who have believed had one heart, one soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, mm-hmm. but they had everything in common. There's a, that commonality, that koinonia, right? The fellowship. The fellowship, right? yeah. That, every, that what I have belongs to you, and right. you, mm-hmm. you, me, and yeah, open hands. Mm-hmm. It, it's all that really cool stuff. So it's interesting then that to put that up against the rich ruler mm. and then a opposite on the other opposite end of that is what what peter was experiencing mm-hmm. see we've given everything to you yep. peter is in great community mm-hmm. with the other disciples at that very moment mm-hmm. and the rich ruler walked off alone all alone yeah yep. So growing up, uh, a lot of our family members were missionaries and still are today. So a family wasn't necessarily close. Like we were in Kansas and then the closest ones would be like Alaska or Brazil or just overseas. And so I, maybe this is part of like the, my faith is I just feel like the Lord, even though we were far away, we always felt, I always felt close because we all were believers and we all um, had one common faith in God. Like we all believed. And so I just felt close to them even though they were miles away. And I think when you realize that richness that you have in those relationships with brothers and sisters in our body here at Harvest or missionaries overseas, it's that richness to me that when I think about that, I just think about the next time I'm going to have a conversation with that person about what they're learning and God's showing them. To me, that richness rather than the richness of money 
that is, I think, what gives me so much contentment. Like, yeah. that's what I want. Yeah. So that's what most people are trying to buy with their money, mm-hmm. and you have yeah. it in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, this has been fantastic. Carl, don't jump in again, okay? This <laughs> This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for being here, Michelle. You're welcome. You are awesome. Great. And Thanks. I appreciate all the things that you had to say. And Carl, I appreciated some of the things you had to say. Thank you. It's a it's small been, bits. It's been, it's been great. Mm-hmm. I tease you because I love you. I know. Um, anyway, listen, uh, we'll be back next week. We're talking about Zacchaeus this weekend. Ooh. So we'll be back next week to talk about the wee little man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, uh, I have that picture in my head talking, from and, yeah. Bible, Vacation Bible School. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll see you guys then. Thanks. Thanks.